0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president
1: and founder of the St. John Institute. Without a doubt, our life as leaders can propose challenges. And yet, what is its reward? What are we in this for after all? And as a Christian leader, what is it proper to be in it for? What is the proper reward of a follower of Christ for taking upon himself or herself the mantle of leadership? Is it right to look for anything at all? What does our Lord teach us about leadership and its rewards? Hi, everybody. I'm honored to be in your midst. And I mean that you have given yourselves to the great burdens and the challenges of leadership. And this choice that you have made on behalf of those who depend upon you will make a difference in our world for the better. In fact, you're here because God has brought you here and God has given you the gifts that he's given you of mind and character and heart and creativity and energy and vision. You've decided to not let those gifts go to waste, but instead to deploy them for the betterment of those who are near you. You are moms. Some of you, I can see you over there. (laughs) Hi, who are 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 here feeling a little bit out of place because you say everyone else is here for business, and there I am, just a mom. If I hear you say one more time that you're just a mom, well you know, that's going to be the end of it, right? Because you're, you're not just a mom. A Christian is not just anything. It would be akin to someone saying, I'm just a business leader. Father, I'm just a manager. I'm just a company owner. What does that mean? I'm just a something. If you're an owner of a company, you've been given that sphere of incredible power and influence to bring God's light and God's love to this world through it. It's an incredible responsibility. I'm just a manager. Well, without you, the business wouldn't work. I hate mean, to tell you, but I mean, like it's nice, fun to be a business owner, but the business owner doesn't necessarily know how to manage. That's why he hired you. And if your people aren't managed properly, the entire business will falter. You can't have a good run, a well-run business. You can't have the delivery of predictable outcomes that are repeatable without good management. Are you kidding me? It's one thing to be a visionary leader. It's a different thing to be a manager and both are necessary. I'm just a manager just a manager. You're a blessing. That's what you are. (laughs) You're a blessing to this world. And everyone who's in your team is blesses God for you because thanks to you, they're able to come to work in the morning and leave it at night. You therefore are a peacemaker on the earth. And as you manage them during the day, you're able to help people to become better and more proficient. You're engaging in the development of your own people and of your staff, their leadership ability, their work skills. You if you do your job correctly, not only does the business flourish, but every worker in their life flourishes. And then you say to yourself, Oh, I'm just a mom, just a school teacher, I'm just a librarian. And if we took seriously the, the dignity of the family, we'd realize that there's nothing greater on earth than the vocation to parenthood. I mean, seriously, you could say, oh, the priesthood is a higher vocation. I would say, yes, I suppose you're right in some ways, right? But even priests, they call father, right? It, it, because it, it's a, the giving of life and the responsibility that we have over life And my responsibility extends directly to your soul. But from the point of view of of extension, there's no greater responsibility for the totality of life than that of parents who are responsible not just for soul, but also for body, for personality, for relationships, for homes. And, and, and that's not given to the priest. I'm, I'm there to take care of the ch- child and bring them the sacraments. You're there to take care of every aspect of that child's life and to give them their own identity here on this earth. And It's such a beautiful thing to be a parent. And it requires incredible leadership. I, I want to just repeat this from the rooftops over and over again. That parenthood is a place of excellence and a place where virtue shines forth. I think that a lot of you, you spend your time coming to leadership seminars in order to become better leaders, not thinking for a moment that this is going to help you to become a better husband. But if your business leadership doesn't help you to become a better husband, it's a very shallow formation, which is why so many people come to these type of things and then they leave, they go home and they're dissatisfied. I want to show you a different way. The St. John Institute. We exist here in order to integrate what you learn in excellence of business back into your home. If I'm at work, in other words, it's supposed to be practice, practice for when I go home. My presentations to my classes, my patience with parents, my patience with students, my patience with patients at work. <laughs> I've got all kinds of patience. I have to have patience with my patients, right? I mean, like you could go through a whole list of your different professions and all of them are there to practice virtue, practice good thinking, practice an ability that then we take and we put in the most important of places, which is the home, which means that your your leadership here needs to become a leadership there. And your leadership at home, what point is it for? (laughs) Your leadership at home, it's to create a place where the saints and the leaders of the world of tomorrow are formed. It's from the home that society is transformed. And so if you say, I'm just a mom, what you're actually saying is, I'm just the most dangerous person in this room because the leaders that will shape the world of tomorrow are being shaped by my heart and my mind. That's why I need to be excellent here. I need to be an excellent dad. I need to be an excellent husband. I need to be a person who's acquired the virtues on the inside, an excellence of soul that I put into everything that I do. And when I engage in that leadership, I follow in the footsteps of the saints. I, I don't look, in other words, at my life from such a, a, a small lens, thinking that someone else can define me down. I'm going to define myself up. I'm going to define myself from the point of view of how God looks at me, that he's entrusted the immortal soul of a a child to me. He's entrusted his daughter to me in marriage, his son to me in marriage. I need to claim that identity and claim that vocation with the same drive and the same grit and the same vision and the same innovating force with which I grasp the projects that are in front of me. My problem with us today, guys, is not that the world outside of us is strong, it's that the world inside of us is weak. We, we lack the spirit that takes the, the principles and the power of the wisdom of our faith and brings that to bear in the world because we discount ourselves right from the beginning. We say we're not smart enough, we're not powerful enough, that the real engines of power lie somewhere else. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not what the people who are in power today said. The people who are in power today, they said, I want that throne of power. I want that sphere of influence and I'm going to claim it. I don't know if you ever saw star search, but when I was a kid, that was the big thing that was on TV and Madonna came through there when she was this, a a new singer, she was discovered there at star search and they, they, and Ed McMahon asked her, she said, well, my gosh, what do you want to do? And Madonna said, I want to take over the world and I'll be darned. She darn well did. Well, where are the Christians that want to take over this world? Not for worldly glory, but for the love of God and the betterment of it. They're sitting in front of me right now. And that's why I'm here. I want you to lay claim to your family and to your marriage with the passion of Jesus Christ. I want you to lay hold of your life as if it was the only one that you could live for him. To to say that the love that I have for Jesus drives me into this world to love these, this place and to love these things and to love these people as if they were the only things that I had, to live life with that passionate fury of an intense apostleship. This is indeed our call and it makes of us great leaders.
0: Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to EagleEyeMinistries.org, that's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E-Ministries.org,
1: and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So we're using today a text from St. Thomas Aquinas, right? And it's all about kingship. It's, on, it's called De Regno on the King. It's a letter he wrote to the King of Cyprus. And I want to look especially at chapters 7 and 8. Because here I think we really strike at the heart of what motivates us in our, in our leadership. He says, first of all, in chapter 7, he does this incredible study saying, what is necessary to keep a king from becoming a tyrant? Remember the definition. He says, a tyrant is when you lead for your own sake. It's a very simple principle. When you have power and dominion over others and you use it to your own advantage, you become a tyrant. He says a king, on the other hand, is the best form of government because the king is is the one who uses power and advantage for the good of his citizens, for the good and, and for their advancement. So a business owner is a queen when she, in fact, uses the business in order to build up everyone underneath her. It reminds me of a soccer coach who told me one time, He told all of his players, you know, my job is to make sure that each of you is a better player for your next coach. That's a kingly kind of role. I'm here as your servant, in other words, to serve your betterment. And I do that by exercising my authority. And the authority of the king is focused in on what's called the common good. But St. Thomas says it beautifully. He says, it's the unity of peace. In other words, everyone having what they need to have in order to flourish as individuals. And if I do that in a common way, I I say what we share in this enterprise is what we all need in order to make ourselves good. So we need a safe place, a clean place, a well-managed place, a well-ordered place, a disciplined place, a place of rules and procedures and policies. And they're just, they're constantly providing for the people that are underneath them. That, in fact, is a kingly way to look at your business leadership. And if God's given you power and authority, it's not so that you rule over the minions who grind for your benefit. That's tyranny. So Thomas says, how do you keep that from happening? How do you keep someone from falling into tyranny? Uh, A king. And he says, well, you keep a king from falling into tyranny by limiting their powers. That's very interesting. So the whole idea here is, it goes back to St. Thomas Aquinas, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So he, Thomas is in favor of limiting the king's powers, but even more so, he says, you just have to be especially care- careful of the person that you make a king. So I would say to the young people, you know, who are here, right? This is the importance of dating well, right? Because you're about to enthrone a queen in that household is she someone who's going to be a good match for you? Is this someone you want ruling over your children? Is, is she selfless? Is she disciplined? Is she intelligent? Does she put her gifts at the gifts of others? Or does she rule in a kind of tyranny over you and over your children? Don't forsake. Don't choose that person for the sake of anything else. You. You will, you will regret it every day of your life, right? You want to date in order to find someone who rules that household like a queen or like a king, who really lifts up the people that are there by serving them with their own greatness. But there's another nuance here that Aquinas puts forth, and it's in chapter eight, and it's a very a difficult one, especially for us who are Christians, because he asks whether or not it's okay to seek after glory, human glory, the opinions of others around you. It's a great question because it goes, is, is the reward for being a king the human glory? And I think if you look at your hearts, almost every one of us here in this room, and I would actually say every one of us, but I just don't like to use exaggerations, but I kind of think that it's most likely that every single one of us in this room were tempted by human glory. Uh, The person who says that they're not, I'd actually say, you're more dangerous than the person who is because you don't even realize the extent to which, you know, uh, human glory, the power of human glory can influence you. Let me give you an image that comes from antiquity. In the days of the Roman Empire, there was a custom to welcome a victor a victorious general in battle, back into Rome by means of what was called a triumph. A triumph was a parade that varied with the years and with customs over time, but more or less remained in, in essence with the same type of celebration. A victorious general would begin in the morning with breakfast and speeches and come to the gate of the city that was reserved only for the triumph, the triumphal gate. And then through it, in, in, in an order, you would lead kind of the telling of the battle, right? There would be the slaves that they would have taken. There would have been flowers or silks or scenery from the land that would have been taken. They would have had different uh, aspects of, of the culture that they dominated brought back in the parade so everyone could see bit by bit the incredible place that they went to and then the battle that took place and the pillages of war, gold and silver and abundance, all the things that they took from the country that they had conquered. And then would come in the actual victor, the general of the army. Now, this is the key. He would be riding in a chariot with four white horses, holding in his hand a, a scepter with a an eagle on top of it and in his other hand he'd be holding a palm of victory you know and there was a slave behind him whose job was to hold the crown out over the top of his head and here's the key he would be told to look tell the general to remember that he was not a god but only mortal because the glory would so tempt him to think that he was the center of all attention. And so the slave would say repeatedly in his ear, Respice, respice," which means look back. And why? Because behind the general were the general's children and his officers and his soldiers, followed by the grateful citizenry whom he served. And that position and the triumph is key for us. Because when you hold the position of power in this world, the temptation will always be to not look back, to not consider the fact that you've been put there by great men and great women who've gone before you to whom you owe the debt of gratitude and the debt of service. It will instead be to look at all that you've accomplished. Look at this. I did this and I did this and I did this and everybody else exists in order to give me adulation. That's the temptation of every human heart. It was a temptation that the devil submitted even to Christ. Said, you know, if you worship me, I will give you all of the glory of the earth. Look at the glory of the things. The Greek word is doxa. Look at the shine, the doxa of the things in front of you. And the job there in the triumph of the slave was to tell the the general, in fact, look behind you. Look at the people for whom you serve. Look at the ones who put you there. At the same time as there is a call to magnanimity, to kingship, to rule, there's also a call to humility. What's that balance?
0: Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at SaintJohnInstitute.org.
1: Dare great things for Christ. Finding the balance between the pride that we need inside of ourselves in order to lead effectively, especially in difficult moments, and the humility that we need in order to never forget the people for whom we lead or our bonds of fellowship with our fellow human beings. For after all, we're only God's instruments. That finding that balance, it's a real trick. Thomas Aquinas gives us some keys to it. He, he, he talks about this in his book De Regno on the King in Latin. And he talks about this in chapter 8. And he says, you know, the thing about it, is that honor and glory are, on the one hand, very close to virtue. Because if you seek the honor of people who are out there, who are good, at least you'll be acting well. And I think about this for a lot of us who are in this room right now, right? You, you, you didn't get to where you are, you know, all by yourself. I mean, some of you just, you know, spontaneously did it. But most of the time, we become leaders by looking up to people and by trying, even if it's subconsciously or without a lot of big focus, but we want to please people. We want to please the people whom we respect. If I could be admired by my mentors, well, I will consider myself a successful person. It's just a, a, a truth of, of the way that we, we grow. We look up to people and then we try to match their opinions. I'm not sure this is necessarily a, a bad thing. It's the way that, that we grow in our leadership, but it can really hamper us for two reasons. Number one is that the opinions of other people, even good people, vacillate. There's nothing more fickle on this earth. It's like the, the, gra- the bloom of grass in the field. It comes and it goes away. There, there's few things that in life that are more rewarding and yet that are more fickle or vacillating than the opinions of other people's about us. It would seem strange to do all of our great deeds just for that. I don't think we'd really be great. I would really challenge that if all you're trying to do is make the people around you, even your (laughs) mother's-in-law, or even your great boss, or even your dad's proud of you, well, you're, you're really, you're imitating greatness, but you're not yet great. You're, you're learning leadership, but you're not yet truly a leader on the inside. And the second reason why working for the opinions of others and their, their favor over us is not the sign of true greatness is because it makes us a slave even of them, even of the good people. You don't yet stand out on your own and lay claim to your own life. It's a necessary step to have people you look up to and to try to please them but be careful to go beyond that step and to be the person that you were called to be regardless otherwise you'll be always in a slavery of their opinion over you even if they be noble this is not a bad thing says Aquinas it's just not true greatness a true king he says has to go beyond a true leader has to go beyond the quest For the glory of others. It's a hard thing to do, but here's some some quotes that he gives us here. Paragraph 57. He says At the same time, it also hurts the multitude if such a reward be set up for princes, for it is the duty of a good man to take no account of glory, just as he should take no account of other temporal goods. To take no account of glory. It doesn't mean to say glory is bad. But it's to say that I hold it of no account your opinions of me, even those of good men and good women. They see there's like a solitude, but it's a solitude of soul that actually makes you steely and strong. This is the the creation of grit in a person. It's to say I do what I do because it's right not because anyone tells me that it's right or anyone will stand there and applaud me for doing so. I do it because it's right. Virtue has its own reward. And being my own self who set my own course towards what was right and good and ruled responsible to God and to God alone, this is where true greatness is found. This is what makes a Christian leader so peculiar is we're absolutely independent of the judgment of the world over us, be it by the judgment of bad men or the judgment of good men. We live for God. And that frees me from the judgments of this world. I'm free, therefore, of the slavery of the opinions of others, and I'm free also to be judged badly in their eyes. St. Thomas continues, he says, it is the mark of a virtuous and brave soul to despise glory as he despises life for justice's sake, right? To despise glory means to look down on glory, even if he looks down on life for the sake of justice. A virtuous and brave soul is the one who strives to do what's right, no matter what, has that dedication. And even if society were to redefine what is right and redefine what is wrong, The virtuous and brave soul will be the one who would live for it anyway. Whence the strength thing results, he says, that glory ensues from virtuous acts, and out of virtue, glory itself is despised. And therefore, through his very contempt for glory, a man is made glorious. As Fabius says, he who scorns glory shall have true glory. My friends, I think deep down inside, there's a question that I want to ask you and that's about your belonging to Christ. There are some who don't want to belong to Christ thinking it makes you weak, but I'd like to tell you it makes you strong. Instead of depending upon the opinions of others or looking after the glory of this world, you depend upon him and his judgment over you. And that means you can rule well and lead others into that same freedom that you found the freedom that comes from pursuing the good and fighting for the just reason because it's who you are and it's because who God is and that's what makes your true glory.
0: Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.